You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Podcast and Post Game Show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Activate your free Assembly Call membership today at assemblycall.com slash join. That's assemblycall.com slash join. That is how you're a champion. It really is. And now, get ready for another brand new edition of the Assembly Call. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call as tonight your Indiana Hoosiers open up the 2016-17 season with a riveting 101-97 victory over the Kansas Jayhawks in overtime in the Armed Forces Classic, an absolute heavyweight matchup between these two blue bloods of college basketball, number three Kansas, number 11 Indiana, and the Hoosiers gutted it out and found a way to win in what surely is a harbinger of a terrific season to come. And if there was any question about whether this was going to be a good team or a fun team or an exciting team, we can put all of those questions to bed tonight because this Indiana team showed us exactly what they can be and they revealed themselves to be a terrific team and a tough team. And we are going to break it all down on this fun, exuberant episode of the Assembly Call. Hey, games can end late at 1245 Eastern time. It's not going to deter us. We're going to be here with excitement and enthusiasm after a performance like that. Because my goodness, that was a fun way to start the season. I am your host, Jared Morris. I am here with our entire crew, Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Will DeWitt. We will be your guides breaking down this IU-Kansas matchup that kicked off the 2016-17 season. And we will start, as we always do, with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And for me, the banner moment comes late in the second half. And it's really, you know, there were several moments, but it was every single time James Blackman Jr. got the ball with Indiana needing a bucket and stepped up. You know, Kansas took a lead at 82 to 81, and this came on the heels of Indiana. You know, I mean, it was a seesaw game uh, the the entire way, but Indiana would get the lead and kind of have a little bit of a lull and struggle offensively. But that stopped in the second half when they just said, you know what, we've got this great scorer named James Blackman Jr. We're going to go let him get the ball and go get us a bucket when we need one. And it was 82 81. James knocked down a three to make it 84 82. And then the very next possession, It was late in the shot clock. James gets uh, fouled on a three, makes all of them. So Indiana goes up 87-82. Basically, James put us in position to win the game. Now, you know, Robert Johnson missed a couple free throws. Thomas Bryant fouled out, and Kansas was able to battle back to force overtime. But James was tremendous and continued it into the overtime. Uh, I don't know how many points he finished with. I think it was 26 points, six boards. Uh, You know, he was only 8 of 17 from the field. But the, the efficiency didn't matter as much tonight as just the willingness to take and make big shots. We knew that was going to be missing without Yogi here. A big opportunity for someone else to step up. James Blackman Jr. did it. And if he can be that guy with what Thomas Bryant can bring and with what OG is going to bring, this three-headed monster for Indiana basketball is going to be really tough for anyone to contend with tonight. James Blackman Jr. was sensational. His play, especially in that second half, is our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And of course, tonight's banner moment is brought to us by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based brand by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. If you consider yourself a Hoosier and not just an IU Hoosier, but someone who is proud to have roots in the great state of Indiana, then you need to check out Hoosier Proud. 
Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud offer a line of t-shirts and accessories that are unmatched for anyone who wants a unique, stylish way to display their own pride in being a Hoosier. In fact, we like their products so much that we even moved production of our assembly called Logo T-shirts to Hoosier Proud because they produce high-quality work, care about their customers, and take pride in their Indiana roots like we do. Check them out at HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY to receive a 15% discount on your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY to receive 15% off at HoosierProud.com. All righty, let's move the ball and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Andy, we go to you for our bottoms line brought to us by Bracketology.fm. Oh, I'm not even sure I can breathe, let alone uh, let alone talk about this game. I'm gonna I'm gonna call out Juwan Morgan. I I thought he was in the first half. He helped them hang around when they got off to a slow start. He was the only guy that was more than a plus two and in, in plus minus uh, at halftime. I think he was plus ten. Ended best on IU's team for the game, at least on the one I'm looking at at plus fifteen. Um, I'll do the stats later and should finish sometime around when I eat breakfast tomorrow morning, or I guess this morning now. Uh, but I, I just thought Morgan. I mean. You know, the Juwan Morgan things was a uh, was a real thing tonight. Uh, you know, 10 rebounds. I think four of those were on the offensive end, had four assists, ransom point, uh, just one turnover, one steal, um, just just had some big plays, even uh, on the opening tip of overtime, um, stepped in and kind of, you know, got knocked the ball over to IU. And I just thought he did a lot of great things, um, showed the versatility that's going to make him so valuable for IU this season. Uh, and just the way that he played, I thought was was really good because they, they got a, a really strong lift. Um, off the bench from from he and, and the freshman, uh, who I'm sure we'll get into as well. But I just thought he was, you know, the kind of do it all Swiss Army knife type guy that we've talked about. And having a guy like that in a game like this uh, against a really good team, uh, it just gave IU the flexibility that I think allowed them to to hang around and and explore a lot of different lineups as they went through, which is also going to be the bane of my existence shortly when I get to do any stats, all the lineups. But um, I just thought Morgan was was fantastic and a guy who might not get mentioned uh, a ton, but a guy that we you know had high expectations for coming in. And uh, one game in, he has most certainly lived up to it. Yeah, he was terrific. Ryan, it's time for your rant brought to us by TheBigLead.com. Yeah, I for me, uh, it was the the story of this one, other than the fouls, which I'm sure somebody else is going to get into here pretty quick, uh, was the freshmen. I, I thought that while they didn't necessarily play huge roles in regulations, other than Curtis Jones, who, as a friend of the show said, essentially, uh, I'm paraphrasing here, but he has his grapefruits are so gigantic. He probably has a difficult time sitting down. Um, I, it's, Curtis Jones came in and played like he belonged the entire game, finished with uh, 15 points in 16 minutes. But what impressed me the most was the freshman in overtime stepping up uh, with Thomas Bryant out with Robert Johnson out. Uh, and then, you know, Jawan Morgan went out as well, all fouled out. And you had Curtis Jones, Devonte Green and uh, Deron Davis all step up and do, immense things in overtime. Deron Davis hit two huge free throws, all the pressure in the world on him, just stepped up, nailed him. Curtis Jones, a couple possessions later, did the exact same thing. Uh, Devontae Green played really tough defense, uh, really scrapped after the ball, kept the ball moving on the perimeter as well on offense. So you, you had these guys, they weren't just deferring to everybody else. They were involved and they're a part of this team. And, they, you know, it, sometimes that I'm not saying that is like I expected them not to be, but that's what freshmen do. They just kind of are on their own in the team and work their 
way in eventually. These guys were ready to go in this game against the number three or depending on which poll you're looking at, number two team in the country. Uh, that bodes well for Indiana. That was unbelievable to see those guys step up. They scrapped. They did not shrink at the moment. Overtime in Hawaii against Kansas, a team laden with experience, and these guys were just going toe-to-toe with the opposition. I thought it was fantastic to see and bodes really well for the future for, for IU. Not just you know the rest of this season and the next couple weeks, but I'm talking years down the road because these guys are not afraid. None of them are. And they just sit toe-to-toe with the number two team in the country and came out on top and it was because of them i mean those those veterans were gone in the overtime and and they stepped up so i don't know i i just thought i was very impressed wait so you're telling me there were freshmen on the court other than josh jackson i wasn't yeah, there aware was. that- I, I surprisingly they, they our guys were freshmen too and they were recruited oh. too like they actually were given scholarships they were ranked by recruiting services and they arrived on campus a few months ago it's it that's how that works i'm not sure vsbn was was very detailed on that but but i mean if you look at speaking of jackson i mean he's a phenomenal player he played 27 minutes only had nine points uh curtis jones had 15 in 16 minutes you know uh deron davis had four huge points in seven minutes i mean you know so they were right on par with this guy who's been heralded as a great player and jackson will be a great player but you have to realize that that this indiana team these kids went toe-to-toe with those guys and did not look like they didn't belong i think sarcastic wise-ass ryan is my favorite ryan even after a big victory you mean ryan all the time is that what you're <laughs> yeah well that's, let's go that's over to standard you issue. that's standard issue that's ryan to you <laughs> Yes, it is. And I appreciate the restraint for not just going all in on the officials right off the bat. I, I we'll appreciate get, that. You, we'll get to that later. We'll get to there. <laughs> yeah, we'll get there. Uh, Will, give us your stat of the night brought to us by the Bears brothers. Well, this might be a good time to bring in that official talk because uh, my stat of the game is going to have to be about the plethora of fouls that we had throughout this game. I mean, it was insane. It seemed like the whistle was blowing more times than it wasn't. Uh, for the entire game, there are 63 total fouls. You know, like Ryan said in the chat, too, it, you just never see two things, you know, two teams, you know, get into the 30s when it comes to their fouls. And on top of that, guys, seven players fouled out of this game, which is at one point, we, you know, everyone was worried that we we're going to run out of players, you know, on both sides. And it's going to be like you said, Jared, you know, one on one towards the end of the game. But, uh, yeah, all those fouls uh, for me is definitely going to be a set of a game because it definitely uh, impacted the game more ways than one and definitely impacted the flow, the momentum uh, more times than not. And that's why it's going to be my stat of the game. Yeah, uh, I got to say real quick, I'm sure all those fans who flew out to, uh, to Honolulu really, really wanted to see a game where there were 63 fouls in it. They wanted, they wanted, they showed up to watch those officials work and, you know, they had to get their money's worth. <laughs> Yes, yes, absolutely. All right, well, hey, I thought tonight watching the second half, something was revealed to me about this team. We're going to cover that here in just a second, so stick with us. Before we do that, though, I do want to take a quick minute and tell you about our sponsor, SeatGeek. We're so excited that they're back with us for their second straight season sponsoring the Assembly Call. And the reason why we love SeatGeek is because buying tickets online for sports and concerts has been a confusing process for a long time. It's always been hard to find the best deal for that game or that show that you want to go to. And none of those older ticket sites really seem to want to change that. But SeatGeek is different. They've come along. They've created this amazing app and website that really does make it easier than ever before for fans to buy and sell tickets, which is why it's the first place I go when I'm looking for tickets to a game uh, or to a concert. 
And one of the things I love about SeatGeek is they actually do the price comparison for me by searching multiple ticket sites and ensuring that I'm getting the best possible deal. And they'll do the same thing for you too. They do the work, you save the time and money. And best of all, listeners to the assembly call get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. So to get your $20 rebate on tickets from SeatGeek, do this. Download the SeatGeek app and go to the settings tab and click add a promo code and then enter the promo code assembly, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y, and SeatGeek will send you $20 after you've made your first ticket purchase. Again, download the SeatGeek app or go to their website and enter the promo code assembly today. All righty. Well, you are listening to a jubilant and enthusiastic episode of The Assembly Call. I am your host, Jared Morris. I'm here with Andy Bottoms, Ryan Phillips, and Will DeWitt. And we are celebrating and breaking down Indiana's 101-97 to victory over Kansas. And, and I'll tell you, you know, I, I can't imagine a more stark difference between what happened in Hawaii last year for Indiana and what just happened in Hawaii this year. For Indiana, you know, we saw last year in, in, you know, some of the games leading up to Indiana going out to Maui, Indiana really playing well. You know, we saw him just dominate Creighton, play really well defensively. And we thought, hey, we might have something really special here. And I think through the first couple of exhibition games, obviously not competition on the level with the Creighton or, or some of the teams Indiana played last year. But we started to feel good about this team, OG's growth and the defense that we were seeing. But as soon as Indiana got to Maui last year, we saw a team that was very flawed, that didn't have a lot of mental toughness, that wasn't really willing to dig in and play defense. But what we saw tonight from this Indiana team was a team that simply, when it got down, every time Kansas punched, Indiana punched right back. There was a time in the first half and early in the second half when Kansas pushed it out to a nine-point lead. And you kind of felt, okay, they, if they can make a spurt here, they can really push this out. But Indiana would never let them. Someone would step up, make a big shot, get a big defensive play, and go right back. It wouldn't just be one bucket. It would be two, and it would be a five- or seven-point run really quick, and Indiana would get right back in the game. And to Kansas's credit, they did it too, but I loved seeing that from our guys. And it's ironic because you wouldn't expect that from a team that just lost a bunch of leadership, lost its point guard, to have that kind of poise in tough moments, that kind of resiliency but to show that in the first game against a team like Kansas, that to me suggests something special about this group. And it's only one game and you don't want to overreact. But I really like just what we saw from this team, the togetherness, the attitude, the mental toughness. And I think that bodes well for this season. Andy, what did you see from these Hoosiers? Uh, yeah, I mean, that was one thing that really stood out to me was, it, you know, it felt like it was it was probably the Notre Dame game last year when it really started to feel like this team bounced back when things started to go against them. Uh, and I think, you know, more than anything, we could probably say the same thing about the defense and, and the defensive numbers probably don't look great tonight. But um, I just thought there were possessions where they played great. And what we've talked about when, when we start thinking about state of the program kind of things is the feeling of you get to the end of the season and then you don't pick up where you left off, but you kind of take a step back and that step back has varied from year to year, but there's always been kind of that step back and it's one game and we're all really excited. So, uh, you know, I reserve the right to revisit this, uh, potential hyperbole later, but it feels like this team has picked up where it left off. Um, certainly from a resiliency standpoint, um, you know, the, the lessons that they learned last season, pay dividends right away and that you know the even though the young guys did that that's something that they're learning from those upperclassmen and the guys that were there uh and, and went through you know the good times and the bad of last season and so um you'd like to think that 
you know, that's a, a, an extremely positive sign that that resiliency is already there. Um, and this is a game that they'll be able to fall back on later where, you know, we've talked in past seasons about it can be the here we go again uh, mentality. But a game like this is one you can fall back on and, and say, look, you know, we had we're without two starters to start overtime and everything kind of felt like it was getting away from you. Uh, and they came back. And I just thought there were times when a number of different guys made big plays tonight. Uh, and those were, in a lot of cases, the veterans. You know, Robert Johnson went on that 7-0 run of his own. Blackman hit a ton of big shots. Um, the veterans seemed to step in uh, and give him a lift when things seemed like they might start to get away from him. So I think definitely a positive sign to start the season. I think a positive sign for this team, positive sign for the program, uh, and, and one that really stood out to me as well. Ryan, what would you think just to, of, of the medal that this team showed tonight? I mean... I just you know let you know this this stat in our in our show chat that Kansas led for 23 minutes and 35 seconds Indiana led for 12 minutes and 53 seconds despite being down for most of the game despite playing a veteran team you know with veteran guards who early in the season having veteran guards is just is a huge key for a team because they can pretty much get you in the right position, do what you need to do, you know, all that stuff. And IU is, you know, they have vets on the team, but it's, it's not a, it's not senior leadership. It's not guys who've led the team before and they just kept punching back. I mean, it's, it's a boxing analogy. They, they, these two teams, I mean, give Kansas credit as we said, as you said, give Kansas a lot of credit. They stood and toe to toe with Indiana slugged it out. I mean, it was a great college basketball game. Let's not, let's not, you know, forget that part. This wasn't IU domination. This was a great finish, great game, but this was an excellent college basketball game. And Kansas was was doing everything they could to beat Indiana. And Indiana, you're right, just kept fighting back and just kept clawing for it. And it has you feel like, um, you know, as Andy said, this team sort of has some of that character from last year. Now, again, it's one game. It's early in the season. It's in Hawaii. We know how things go in Hawaii sometimes, you know, uh, it may not be indicative of the rest of the season, but you look at this team and you feel like there was no point in that game where it looked like they gave up or they they thought, we're not going to get it. And there were plenty of times they could when Thomas Bryant fouled out in regulation, when Ronald Johnson uh, uh, fell out in regulation. I mean, those both could have sunk the team and they didn't they fought they found a new guy they put a new guy in and they fought back and and you're right it it is a mentality and i wonder if it's um i wonder if it's one of those situations where it's the coaching staff too feels like after the, the way last year started now they're underdogs too and they're fighting back and we've said before that tom crane's teams always play well when people doubt them that was the case tonight because i don't know anybody who picked iu to win this game the people on this show did i can tell you that much yeah, hey all right did. so we we have some we have some people talking in the chat about Josh Newkirk and they're saying things that I disagree with. So we are going to cover him uh, in just a second. And this tweet that Yogi sent out, we're going to cover that too because it's awesome. But we have to talk about Thomas Bryant because you know it, it it feels like forever ago that Thomas Bryant was dominating this game because he was relatively quiet in the second half and then he fouled out and so he didn't have as big of an impact in the second half. But try and imagine that first half without Thomas Bryant and his 16 points, and the little four-point run that he went on right at the end of the half to get Indiana back to where it was a four-point game. Because if you'll remember, Indiana really played well. Kansas jumped out to the early lead. You know, the game kind of settled in. And then Indiana went on that nice little run to go up 33-29. to And then inexplicably, Indiana just forgot how to play offense and started taking long twos and quick threes. And all of a sudden, Kansas goes on this 9-11 point run, and they're up 40-33. to And, and, you know, Indiana's kind of teetering a little bit. And that's when Thomas Bryant 
reasserted himself, and let's remember, playing with two fouls because Tom Crean trusted his guy, kept him in there, and I thought Thomas showed how, that he can shoot three-pointers, that he can drive, that he still obviously got the skills with the back to the basket, that he runs the floor, and he showed the increased athleticism that we've been hearing about. You know, didn't look quite as stiff. You know, just looked more fluid and athletic, and I thought in the first half was absolutely dynamite and basically helped carry his team to halftime still in the game, and then everybody else carried us to the finish line. But without what Thomas did in the first half, you know, that could be an 8-10 point deficit for Indiana. And if Kansas comes out and goes on that 5-0 run to start the second half and it's a 15-point game, it's a much different ball game. And I thought Thomas was absolutely great in the first half. Ryan, what did you see from Thomas there in the first half? Well, I think that he started out a little bit too much on, on the perimeter, and it wasn't necessarily the offense putting him out there. You could kind of see him floating to the perimeter. And the reason why was because Kansas was packing the paint to try and force Indiana to go to somebody else. And and so there wasn't a whole lot of room to operate. And then Indiana started making some shots, including two from Thomas from the outside. They had to stretch out. And finally, he got to work inside. He went on the offensive glass. Uh, I, I thought he just he was Thomas Bryant. I mean that, you know, that's, that's, that's what it is right now. He's a guy who goes after the ball. It, it doesn't matter if it's, you know, he's a second chance points guy. He's a guy who can score, you know, if you just dump it down into him or at least get fouled and get to the line. And, and he did that a few times tonight as well. So I just, I think that he's one of those guys that is just the team's anchor. I mean, and, and while he wasn't great in the second half playing with, you know, foul trouble and all those things, uh, you know, 19 points, 10 rebounds. I, I'm, I'm never going to argue with, you know, that's especially this early in the season. You know, he, he was he was as good as we needed him to be and hit five of seven free throws. Uh, one of those I think he'd want to have back because it rattled in and out. Uh, and then, you know, six of 14 from the field isn't great, but I thought there were a couple times where he got fouled and there weren't calls, which was shocking because everything seemed to be called in this game. But he, uh, you know, he missed he missed eight shots, but he's he's a guy who just works and teams are going to go after him. He's not going to shoot 68 percent this year, I don't think, because teams are going to go after him. and They're going to expect him. And so he's going to have to fight for everything he gets. And tonight I thought he did that while he was in there. But obviously he he didn't get a full game in uh, only 28 minutes, which is not what I would expect from this season. I would expect him to be up around 30 uh, and and playing hopefully w without foul trouble. Yeah. Yeah, I thought, you know, the second half, he was 0 for 4 from the floor. And I thought it, just throughout the course of the game, you know, he missed some easy shots that I think he's going to make far more often than he'll miss. Uh, a couple shots around the rim, I think, with his, you know, tried to lay one up with his left hand. And uh, I think the other was with his right. So I think there were a couple of shots that you're probably going to see him make. And if he makes those shots, um, who knows what the, you know, maybe it doesn't get to overtime. His stats look a little bit better. You know, the, the kind of second half of not making a field goal stuff kind of goes away. But he still, I mean, he had seven rebounds, three of those offensive um, I thought he really, you know, worked hard, uh, you know, for what he did get, as as Ryan mentioned, and some, you know, kind of weird foul calls, the, you know, double block charge, and then the uh, the one that he fouled out on was uh, questionable as well, as were many of the calls. But um, I, I thought he did well. And, and the one play that really stood out to me was his, you know, run on the floor, the Zeller-esque, like, floor sprint at the end of the first half really cut into a lead. And, you know, IU had... You know, the theme was Kansas takes a timeout, goes on a huge run. Um, that really got IU back in it at halftime. He made a couple dunks there in the last minute or so of the half, um, which was a good cap for him to the a half where he really kept IU in the game. He and OG in particular that first half. It was it was all front court scoring in the first half and uh, largely uh, backcourt scoring in the second, as I'm sure we'll talk about a little bit more. 
Hey, I got to ask you guys a question real quick. Can we get yeah. some some physicists from IU on this? Can you have a block and a charge on the same play? Is that that double foul? Dude, that was such. That was so dumb. They, I mean, they shouldn't have called anything. So no, their solution wasn't to call two, to call two I, fouls. It was ridiculous. I, I mean, the, the one guy on the baseline had. I mean, if he if the question was whether Bragg was set or not, the one guy on the baseline called a a block and had easily and the best deal. angle of the of the player. So. Yeah, I, I just like I, I hate this inclination of referees these days that if there's any contact on a basketball court, it's automatically a foul. Basketball yeah. is a contact sport. This isn't tennis. Guys are gigantic and they're going to bump into each other. Like, I, oh, sorry, I shouldn't have done that. I shouldn't get off. I, sh I Now I'm getting hot. I'm getting hot. And this is not good. These lights. Ryan's rant up. presented by the big there you go. You got it. Um, okay, so we're going to talk about OG here in just a second because we got to talk about OG's night. But I want to talk about Josh Newkirk real quick because we got some folks in the chat kind of wondering aloud if he was maybe the one Hoosier that didn't play a good game tonight. And, and here's what I will say about Newkirk. I thought Newkirk took a few questionable shots. I think he took a long two that was questionable. There was an, another three he took in the first half that I didn't think was great. And it wasn't a perfect night by any means. But he had five rebounds. He had four assists, and, and, and I'll tell you, you know, he did have a couple of turnovers, but I'll tell you, I thought the first two possessions of the overtime, when Indiana entered the overtime without Thomas, uh, you know, and, and, and reeling a little bit, because always, you know, the team that kind of has the lead and gives it up and then goes into overtime, you kind of feel like they don't have the momentum. I thought Newkirk's aggressiveness and taking the ball to the basket on the first two possessions of overtime set the tone for Indiana for the for that overtime and I thought that was really important plus he had a big steal late so it wasn't a perfect game but I thought Newkirk did what he needed to do to help get this win for Indiana and I thought frankly played some big minutes and I, and I thought he did a good job especially there in the overtime when you know you kind of needed someone to remind the guys hey this is what we were doing to get here driving to the bucket not settling for threes and I thought he really did that yeah ahead, look Ryan. Josh Newkirk just played 35 minutes for Indiana. He hadn't played a game in two years. You know, people have to remember that. The guy's a little rusty. It's a little different in practice, preseason. This is a huge game. He's going up and down the floor with two seniors for, for Kansas in the backcourt, matching straight up with them. He played his tail off. And, yeah, he was two away from the field. He had some bunnies that he missed, and, and he has to be a better finisher. That, that There is no question about that. He's got to get better at finishing, and he's got to make his free throws. But you know what? As far as an all-around player, I love what this kid brings because he's strong, he's quick, he's aggressive, he gets people going. He's not and he's Yogi, tough. and he's very he's tough. tough. He's not Yogi, and he's not going to be Yogi. So people, I think, are expecting like you know a, a brilliant performance there. We've been spoiled for the last few years. We really have. He is a very good basketball player, and he's going to help Indiana out a lot because, particularly defensively, I thought he was—he did everything he could defensively tonight. Uh, Kansas was, you know, those guys were on fire, and they were getting a lot of calls, and, and so they're, you know, I just—I I think people. I saw some people on on Twitter criticizing him and stuff. I love what this guy brings. He obviously has to finish better around the rim, but I think that's coming. Again, he hadn't played a game in two years. Give the guy a break. Let him play. Yeah, I, I just thought he was uneven. I, I mean, there were certainly moments. I mean, he made uh, – there was a time Kansas was up early in the second half. They were up by seven. He scored five straight points, stepped into a big three, and hit it. And and so he made some good plays. He made some questionable shot selection, uh, as we talked about. He missed a couple free throws, which is – you know, he wasn't the only one to do that tonight. Um, and, and I thought he was just uneven. And, and 
uh, in a game with the attrition that there ended up being because of foul trouble, they were going to need him to play a lot of minutes. I think there'll be games when he can really excel, and I think there's games when IU's going to want to do things um, a little bit differently from a lineup perspective that maybe he doesn't play uh, as much, depending on how Robert Johnson and Blackman are going. But, um, it, you know, I just thought it was an uneven performance. I didn't think it was bad. Uh, and in a game like this, he was challenged right out of the gate, and I think Ryan's point is a good one, to step in against two senior guards on a top-five team in the country uh, is a tough spot to to get back in, into the swing of things. Hey, we're going to talk about OG next. Did OG have a good game, a bad game, or is it like impossible to judge an OG game now because of just this crazy hype, and so we don't quite know what to expect? We're going to talk about that here in just a second. First, I do want to remind you to activate your free Assembly Call membership if you haven't yet. we got the great live chat going on over at assemblycall.com slash live. It's a moderated live chat only for our members. We'd love for you to join us. That's one of the perks of a membership, which you can get at assemblycall.com slash join. And it only takes you like 15 seconds, so it's really easy. Uh, and it's how you get our best content, because in addition to being able to join us for the live chat, you get our weekly six-banner Saturday roundups, plus our detailed post-game analysis emails, which Andy was lamenting earlier because he's still going to be staying up to do that analysis so that we can get it out to you in the morning, because that's the commitment that we make to you. And you know what? After a big win against Kansas, it's not like we're going to be able to sleep anyway so it's going to be fun putting the email together but you got to be on our email list to get it so please go to assemblycall.com slash join activate that free membership if you like what you hear here on the assembly call becoming a member is the next logical step join us for free at assemblycall.com slash join All righty. Well, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am your host, Jared Morris, here with Ryan Phillips and Andy Bottoms, and we are celebrating Indiana's 101-97 victory over Kansas to kick off the 2016-17 basketball season. And let's talk about OG Ananobi. Uh, you know, look, we, we all knew that a lot was going to be expected of OG, but it feels like over the last three or four days, the OG hype train has just picked up so much speed with the article on the ringer and Pat Forty calling him one of the 25 most intriguing people in college basketball and all the mock drafts and Sporting News naming him a preseason All-American. All of this. And then we saw what he did in the exhibition game where he basically shot 100% from the field and was just dominating. And so you look at it tonight and OG finishes with 13 points, seven boards, an assist obviously had you know a few blocks and the, the huge block there at the end three of seven from downtown and if that had been his stat line from last year which it feels like it kind of was on several games i feel like we would have been jumping for joy saying how great of a game it was and yet <clears throat> and tell me if you guys agree i left this game feeling a little bit unfulfilled from og's play and i think that's a testament i think that's actually a compliment to him because i think he's shown us that he's capable of so much more and it just felt like for long stretches of the game he blended in too much and he's too good of an athlete too good of a player to blend in and I thought he had some spectacular moments and some some aggressive moments and did some good things but you know there's another level there for him to get to and look it's his first game and that's that's where I'm saying maybe it's hard to properly rate him because maybe that's judging him against kind of an unfair standard and not letting him ease into the season a little bit because I think he did play a good game but there's a lot of meat left on the bone in a game like this for OG. And maybe that's not necessarily a bad thing for his first game as a sophomore. Just shows how much better he can be. And it's important to remember that he was still pretty good tonight. Andy, what did you think of OG? Yeah, I thought in the first half in particular, he, he played really well. I mean, the thing that sticks out to me is he didn't take a two-point shot in the game. He was three of seven from the floor and three of seven for three-point range. Now, he did get to the line, made all four of his free throws, which was great. But I, I thought he went to the basket on the very first two possessions of the game. I think one was a jump ball. Um, 
and, and one he may have I think he got fouled uh, that's a reasonable assumption if you don't remember something about this game they probably got fouled on the play you're thinking of um, and so I thought he did uh, a nice job there but then like you said I, I thought there were you know parts of that where he just kind of hovered on the perimeter there was the the play and I think it was an overtime or late in regulation when he just kind of dribbled at the top of the key and then tried to take a three over Josh Jackson and it's like at that point Josh Jackson's got four Terrible fouls shot. on him you're getting every foul call if you go to the basket like take it to the bucket and he had a, a hard time um staying on his feet because of the floor or whatever it was so that didn't really help um he a number of times was was falling down so i guess i would just like to see from a shot distribution standpoint him uh end up doing differently but i thought he still played relatively well defensively he had three blocks um the one at the the end of the game kind of just for uh for final emphasis to to seal the deal but um i i'd kind of categorize his performances uneven in a similar way to what I would say that, that Newkirk did. I thought he played really well in the first half and, you know, he and Bryant scored 26 points together in the first half. And if they don't do that after the way IU started, um, the game could have been out of hand and they allowed IU to hang around. So I think he gets a lot of credit for that. Um, but certainly the second half could have been, uh, could have been more. By the way, talk about balls. OG going up for a block on a three-pointer when Indiana's up four at the end that, of the game. Yeah, was, <laughs> yeah. Dane, Dane Fife was watching that going, no, no, don't do that. Don't do that. <laughs> um, I, I uh, OG's performance was, to me, I, I think kind of I'm going to echo what you guys said, but I think I'm going to put it in different terms. I want him to be more aggressive um, from the wing. He was like at the that. start. I mean, he exactly. came out in the first two possessions of the game and was real aggressive. And see, I'm going to, I agree. And um, I, I think that that's what Indiana needs from him. They need him to do sort of what Troy Williams did and just go at the basket and, and obviously, you know, hold on to the basketball, but go to the basket and then, you know, also hunt the baseline, uh, look for lob opportunities, you know, don't clog things up, but if the opportunity is there, go take it. And I felt like after sort of the first few minutes, he got real timid about getting inside the three-point line. And and that that's got to change. Uh now again, it was the first game of the season. You know, guys, it's it's and you can say, well, they played exhibition games. They've been practicing for months. When you get on the floor, it's different. On top of that, what I will say is he was matched up with Josh Jackson for the entire game. And as ESPN said, he's the greatest player who ever played. So it's <laughs> clearly uh no, I but Jackson's clearly a very good player, played OG really well defensively, and OG played against played really well on him. I, I thought it was a pretty neutralizing battle from those guys. Uh and also you have to remember that OG, when he's not scoring, he can still impact the game. He had seven boards. Uh, three blocks, a, a steal, he had an assist, and, and he played solid defensively. So I think that it's the kind of thing where, you know, you, you the the pure numbers won't tell you his effect. I mean, he also altered a few shots when guys were driving in, things like that. So so he brings a lot, even when he has an off night offensively. And, and I think it was fair to say he had a bit of an off night offensively. So, um, yeah, it's something to watch going forward to see if he gets more aggressive. But I think for now, uh, at least you've got him on the back end defensively, and he's playing very well. All right, gentlemen, I would like to hearken back to the very first episode of Assembly Call Radio uh, from a couple of weeks ago on CBS Sports 1430 AM. We have a new radio show now, if you hadn't heard. And smooth, we smooth, to- smooth plug, Morris. <laughs> thank you. Thank you. Uh, we had the topic of who is this team's most important player, or I think it was buy or sell. Thomas Bryant is this team's most important player. I believe I sold that and made the case for James Blackman Jr. as this team's most important player. And I would like to put forth as evidence for my argument uh, on the (laughs) humble brag, patting yourself on the back. You're really, uh, yes, you're really infringing Ryan's territory at this point. You've been spending way too much time with me, clearly. 
All right, look, you guys are just stalling because you realize I was right and you have no comeback after tonight because James showed tonight exactly what I was saying, that it what this team needs, this is going to be a pretty good defensive team, I think, when all is said and done. This team has guys to go inside. This team has so many things. The one thing it doesn't have, if you remove James from the equation, is the guy to take and make the big shots late, and he did it. And Andy, I tell you what, you're going to talk about substitutions in the email I, I thought Tom Crean coached a really good game, had his team prepared, did a lot of good things tonight. I thought there was a decision that he made late in the second half that may have cost Indiana the game in regulation, and that's when he took Thomas and James out before the four-minute timeout. Now, I get why he did it there, and he did it on a defensive possession to try and get them rest, but he left them out for a couple of possessions fouls after too. after the four-minute time. Well, I don't. James didn't have four fouls, did he? I think he had three, and Thomas had four. I mean, I'm right, sure, but I'm pretty sure you had four fouls, so he probably did. That's a reasonable right. assumption. Okay, but we're late in the game. We're under four minutes, all right? And it's at the time, Indiana was up 79-76. And what happened was, with James out, Newkirk took the long two. Uh, Curtis Jones had to take a long three at the end of the shot clock. And as soon as James got and, and so Kansas gets up 82-81, as soon as James gets back in is when he goes on his tear, makes the three, gets fouled on the three. And I say that only to mention he was so important at that part of the game if I'm Tom Crean, I get taking Thomas out, but I do not let offensive possessions go after the four-minute timeout without James Blackman Jr. on the floor because I think he's that important, and I think those possessions without him in those situations underline that importance. So, yes, I'm remaking my point, and now I would like to hear your guys' rebuttal on a night like tonight because I'm not sure there is one. You know what? You know what I think, Jared? I think every player on the team is equally important. How about how's All that? Right. Is that cut, cut, cut his your... mic off now. <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, I look. I still think Thomas Bryant's the most important player on the team because he changes what this team can do. You take Thomas Bryant out, and it's a radically different team. You take James Blackman out, and you've got some guys on the perimeter who can do things. And you might be relying too much on freshmen, and it won't. It wouldn't be the same as having a guy who, at the last second, can make an out of nowhere shot and make you look really good after a bad possession. But I just think not having that big man up front changes the game. That's why I said Thomas Bryant. Now, as for tonight, James Blackman was an absolute stud. Twenty six points, six rebounds, and assist. Only two turnovers. Uh, he had some boneheaded plays on defense, but you know what? You live with him, you're going to die with him too. Uh, you know, the 26 points, he, he hit four of eight threes, and I, you could have convinced me he hit seven threes. It was so impressive. But the most impressive thing to me was not just the fact that he made free throws late and, and pretty, through the whole game. He hit six and seven. The most impressive thing to me is the difference between James Blackman now, and I was saying this on Twitter, James Blackman now and James Blackman is a freshman and a sophomore. He finishes at the rim through contact, something we harped on that he needed to do over and over and over again. He would go up soft, get his shot blocked, get, you know, get <clears throat> not get calls and miss the shot. I mean, he finishes through contact now and he doesn't look a whole lot bigger, uh, you know, externally just looking at him, but he is clearly stronger and and he is Look, you got to give the guy credit. He's diversified his offensive game. He make he's much more mature in the way he approaches the game, and it shows. And and he he played. A, a, I would go out on a limb and say this was the best he's played given in at, at Indiana, given the opponent. I mean, he. I don't even think that's going out on a limb. This is clearly the best game he's played. Yeah, no, well, I mean, except, but, for Mar- except for the the Northwestern game in the first round of the Big Ten right. tournament. Again, 
people you can pick games where he had more points or he had you know he did different things or, or was more efficient but this game given the opponent the way he repeatedly stepped up you see a player growing into a role and 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 that is what was most impressive about it because that's not something we've seen him do before we've seen him make big shots seen him you know kind of take over the offense at times but this was in crunch time this guy was give me the ball i'm gonna win this game and he did it and and in regulation especially towards the end he carried the team with those guys out so you know kudos to james blackman and yeah jared kudos to you for making that pick <laughs> i i thought i mean i definitely thought defensively he he struggled early but i did i mean i saw improvement even within the game i mean there was a play that he really pressured the ball and caused a turnover and um i he wasn't he's never going to be an elite defender by any means but i thought he was he was better as the game went on he had some really bad closeouts early uh, that led to some baskets but you know, the thing that stood out to me was what Ryan said, just not being afraid to go to the basket. I think that shows he trusts the knee. Um, there was a play that he made where got a shot, went to the rim, got a shot block, was the first guy to back up to get the rebound and put it right back in over over a much taller guy. And so, you know, being able to to get that second jump that quickly uh, and just his willingness to do that and to finish with a couple of really nice and ones there uh, in the game, I thought was great. I, I agree with you, Jared, though, that um, that that stretch at the end of the game was weird. I got taking them out. I got the extra rest. Um, but after the first time that Kansas was at the free throw line, it seemed like that was a chance to put him back in. They ended up, IU had an empty possession, then they got fouled again, and that's when they, uh, you know, that's when they put him back in. But, uh, you know, he just, at the end of the game, you know, we talked a little bit about this when we were having some of the OG conversation um, before the season about, you know, is he a guy that's going to have the ball in his hands at the end of the game and, and kind of who takes that part of what Yogi's role was. And I think that became clear tonight. And obviously, Bryant had fouled out, but um, Bryant wanted, or, but, Blackman wanted the ball. He came. There were possessions where, you know, dribbled around for 25 seconds. He's going to go get it. And he made things happen uh, from there, was confident and stepped into his shot. And I thought he was just fantastic. So, uh, you know, kudos to him for coming back. Um, looking forward to seeing him get just even stronger as the season goes on with his knee. But uh, it's a great sign to see how much he trusts it, even uh, in game one. You know, and the irony of the whole debate, of course, is that Indiana has a terrific triumvirate of players with James, OG, and Thomas. And I'm not really sure any one is more important than the other. I think the three of them together form a great trio that can really take this program to great heights this season. And Indiana needs all of them clicking, uh, you know, on all cylinders. And I thought for the most part, they did that tonight. Uh, I want to get to this tweet that Yogi sent out and get your guys' thoughts on it. He says, this team now has way more talent than we did last year. Watch out. And, you know, you read that and you think, well, damn, that team went 15 and three, won the Big Ten. They were really good. Two of those players are now playing in the NBA and Yogi and Troy. But I have read that and I think I agree with him. You know, now the key is last year's team became greater than the sum of its parts. They were certainly less than that in Maui, but became more than the sum of their parts in a terrific team. And that's what we'll have to see if this year's team can do through one game certainly looks like they can do that. And if you combine that kind of togetherness and communication with the talent this roster has, then I certainly think the ceiling for this year's team is higher than what we saw last year. But in general, you agree with Yogi's tweet or disagree, Ryan? I think I've been saying that all offseason. I think this team is more talented. Uh, whether or not they have the leadership and and the intangibles that that team had last year and certainly developed as the year went on is yet to be seen. But I think pure talent-wise and depth-wise, oh yeah, this team is better. I don't think there's any question about that. What they lost was important, but they gained so much more, I think. And the development of the guys who were already here has made them a better team. I think there's no question from a talent perspective, this is a better better team. Andy, you agree? Oh. Uh, I mean, I think that I think to some extent that remains to be seen. I think it has the potential because of the depth. I think you can go 
uh, pretty deep at each at each position. And I think when we looked at it at the start of the season, we said, "Oh, this is going to be more of a you know front court leaning team than we've seen from from you know previous Korean teams." And now it seems more balanced. Uh, you've still got those guys in the front court that took a hit with Hartman going out, uh, obviously. And I think the back court, the freshmen in particular, have proven to be. Um, maybe more ready than we expected them to be. So I think the team's going to be a little more balanced than we thought it would be in the season. And I think if that's true, then what Yogi said probably winds up being the case in the end. But uh, I think from a depth perspective, from a quality depth, I mean, even if you get Hartman back at some point, I mean, this team could legitimately go 10, 11 deep and feel really good about all those guys. And I think there were parts last year where we probably wouldn't have said that. Real quick, guys, before we get to last call, I want to talk about the backcourt because the backcourt has kind of been maligned in the offseason. People wondering, you know, obviously the big question mark is Yogi is gone and Troy obviously played, you know, mostly a backcourt role uh, last year. And, and a lot of people were wondering, you know, you've got Robert Johnson, who's been a solid role player, but not spectacular. James Blackman Jr. coming off the knee injury. No one knew what to expect from Josh Newkirk. These two freshmen that, you know, again, you know, not... The, the, the five-star guys that ESPN is going to show on their promos for the game. And everybody wondered, I mean, I thought, I mean, for the first night out, Indiana's backcourt went toe-to-toe with clearly one of the best backcourts in the nation. And while Frank Mason Jr. clearly kind of emerged as the, you know, the, the, you know, at scored all the points. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm hedging here because, you know, obviously he got bailed out with some foul calls, but was, was a terrific player, but Indiana's backcourt played great. I thought, and I thought Robert Johnson, even though he had an uneven night, that stretch of points where he basically just took the game over and scored seven straight points. That was huge. You know, at a time when Indiana was teetering a little bit, Rojo and James basically put the team on their back. I think they scored at least 10 straight points. It might've been 12. And that was really big. And I love seeing that both from the experienced guys and the young guys, and I think it really bodes well for this team for the future. Andy, uh, I, you're obviously the president of the Robert Johnson fan club. Uh, what were your thoughts on his play tonight? Well, I'm disappointed that we didn't get a longer uh, segment on him earlier in the show, but I'll we'll take the opportunity now to talk about how we put. No, I mean that that seven point run was was fantastic, and I thought he had. I think there was a play after that where he almost scored again. Um, I, I thought he was a good mix of you know stepped into three pointers confidently, but also uh, was was really good at attacking the basket. And so, um, you know, he spent a decent amount of time on Josh Jackson early, uh, which I thought he did a decent job defensively contributed to how, how he played. And, uh, you know, the, the biggest thing that did not go well for him was the, you know, the, the two missed free throws there down the stretch. And then the, the, the subsequent foul on Frank Mason. Um, but really I thought other than that, he played a really strong floor game, did the kinds of things they needed him to do. Didn't go out really hunting shots. You know, he only took six shots for the game made half of them a uh, couple of rebounds, two assists and just one turnover. And, and the turnover piece uh, was certainly a big one that we had, you know, with him and he managed to play a lot of that first half uh, with two fouls as well. We talked about Bryant doing that, but he played a decent chunk of that first half with two fouls, really hung around, gave some stability uh, and only ended up playing 21 minutes on the game because of foul trouble. But uh, I, I thought he was really strong. And I think you feel, like I said, you, you feel in total a lot better about the backcourt than we did even you know, three weeks ago or two weeks ago before we saw this team play any games. Yeah, because this wasn't, you know, the backcourt looking good against UMass Lowell. This was against Kansas in a huge game and everybody stepped up, which is what was so great to see, including, of course, Curtis Jones. And we have to talk about him again, the freshman, 15 points in 16 minutes. Uh, Ryan, some final thoughts on Curtis Jones. Well, first of all, I want to apologize. Earlier, I called him Ronald Johnson. Uh, it Look, folks, it's late here, too. OK, uh, no, uh, it's like 630 where you are right now. 
Yeah, about that. No, uh, no, I'm not in Hawaii, unfortunately. Um, <laughs> we know what happened last time I went to Hawaii with Indiana. Um, you're, you're, you're banned. Yeah, exactly. Uh, yeah, Curtis Jones, just, you know, what I loved about it was just how aggressive he was. And, and that's what we saw from Devontae Green in the preseason. And, and we saw a lot of that from him in the preseason and, and in scrimmages and things like that. But we didn't really see seen it from Curtis Jones and he came out ready to play, man. He absolutely did. Uh, you know, 15 points on five of 10 shooting three of six. I mean, he did not shy away from stepping into shots, made those two enormous free throws in the, in the, uh, overtime, especially with, you know, Robert Johnson out. Uh, he really filled that spot well in the overtime and there, it didn't feel like there was a big drop off. He played well defensively. I mean, look, Johnson's one of the better defenders, better perimeter defenders we have. And Jones stepped in and played very well. So, um, yeah, I, I was just impressed with him, you know, how he came in and he was not shy. And and that's sort of the thing you get about these freshmen. They're just not shy. They, they want to play. They want to belong. And, um, you know, that and the way that everybody rebounded were, were two of the biggest takeaways for me from this game, as I said earlier. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. Uh, well, we're about to go to last call real quick before we get to last call. One more quick reminder that a great way to support the assembly call is by ordering your official assembly call t-shirt from hoosierproud.com. Go to hoosierproud.com and check out their selection of unique stylish apparel that anyone with Indiana roots will love. And don't forget to use the promo code assembly for 15% off. It's not just on our logo t-shirts, but on anything that you order your entire order, you get 15% off for being an assembly call listener. Uh, so do that ASS EMBLY for 15% off. And again, the URL is hoosierproud.com. All right. Well, you are listening to the assembly call IU post game show. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips and Andy bottoms. We are wrapping up another victorious episode of the assembly call. The 2016-17 season could not have started out any better than with Indiana knocking off Kansas to begin at 103 to 99. Just another fun, entertaining game involving Indiana. I mean, if you're a big network, I don't know how you can't just be clamoring to have every Indiana game on that you possibly can. Because, I mean, there's just there's really nothing more fun in college basketball than watching a game with Indiana. Uh, but let's go to some final thoughts, fellas. Our last call. Uh, and Andy, we will go with you first so that you can then hop off and begin marking down all of these lineups well that is not something i'm looking forward to so let's stay on longer and talk more about the game um no i you know when you, when you look down the box score you know you got five guys in double figures out of 10 guys who played nine nine of those 10 scored the one who didn't was freddie mcswain he grabbed two rebounds in four minutes um and, and you don't play in a game like this against the top five team uh in kansas regardless of what the outcome of this game was is a top five team and 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 overcome the fouls and all those things without everybody making contributions. And I think that's what's uh, exciting to see is that there wasn't anybody on the team who it seemed like the moment was too big for from the freshman um, to James Blackman coming back from injury to, you know, all the guys we've talked about up and down the roster. And I think that's going to make uh, for an exciting season because um, these guys can really play and they're only going to get better. Uh, when you think about even hearing some of the comments from Korean about the things they haven't even really installed yet, what they haven't gotten to, uh, this was just a lot about heart, a lot about hustle, uh, and seeing those kinds of things this early in the season are are really exciting, and they're only going to build after a win like this as these guys start to see, you know, this is what we can be uh, early on. So uh, I can't think of a better way to start the season unless this game had tipped off at like three o'clock in the afternoon, so that we'd had a little more time to uh, to talk about it, and it wasn't 
uh, nearing two o'clock in the morning here. But uh, other than that, I, I can't think of a better way to, to start our uh, our latest season of the show in the regular season. And uh, hopefully hopefully a little bit uh, less tense moments against UMass Lowell coming up this week. You think? Yeah, maybe just a little. I know Kansas is flying over where to New York to play Duke and we're flying home to play UMass Lowell. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> that's a topic for another day. Ryan, last call. Uh, you know, uh, it, it, with the danger of, of, of getting political, and that's not what I mean here, um, man, it's great to have basketball back. Uh, it just with everything that's going on, no matter what side of the fence you're on or whatever, this has kind of been a crazy last week in the country, regardless of who you are, whether you're super happy or super sad or, or whatever. And uh, it was just so nice to watch a basketball game and, and enjoy it and, you know, get my mind off of whatever else is going on. And uh, I, I really want to want to thank Indiana and Kansas for putting on that show because it's something else for us to talk about. And um, as, as a writer, it's been really hard this week as a sports writer to, to find anything to write about because nobody cares about anything else than what's going on. So getting a great basketball game to watch is was was something that really helped me uh today so thank you to those teams thank you to our service members who the game was supposed to honor um i think that it's a great thing that they do every year playing that game and and sending two great teams to go play there and, and letting those guys get in and watch it and enjoy it and uh they, they got two great games uh to choose from and uh you know i i love this team and i love watching this team and i love uh, being able to to bring this show to you, especially on on a week like this where everybody's focused on everything else, let's let's enjoy this team while we can, and and you know let's have a great season. Absolutely, well said. You know, I was reading some comments from Tom Crean in the run up to this game where he talked about the possibility of doing a home and home with Kansas again. If you remember, Indiana used to play Kansas regularly in the non conference uh, for you know about a good decade there, back during the night years. And, and all I can say is, yes, please, more of these games. It felt so good to be in a heavyweight matchup like this again. And the beauty of a game like this is it really, it was a, a no-lose situation for Indiana. Now, obviously, there's a huge potential win when you win a game like this. And Indiana did. And it we need to underscore, you know, I'm surprised we didn't talk about this, but we need to underscore the importance of this victory with so few opportunities for Indiana in the non-conference slate to get a big win. This one is huge. And this is going to be sitting there on the NCAA tournament resume for the rest of the season. Every Every time Andy's doing his bracketology, this win is going to be there propping up Indiana's resume and helping to balance out the rest of the strength of schedule in the non-conference, which isn't very good. So it was a huge win for Indiana. But more importantly, it's just so great to be a part of these heavyweight matchups. This is where Indiana needs to be as a program. You know, of course, winning these games is great, but just playing in them regularly. And so, you know, any opportunity that Indiana has to get in these games and to play more of these games. And I know, you know, you know, people are looking now at Michigan State's schedule with their young team and they're, you know, saying, man, Izzo must be kind of regretting having this schedule. But I bet he doesn't because he has the schedule every year and it always seems to work out for him. And so whatever Indiana, whatever you can do to get in more games like this, I speak on behalf of everybody, literally every IU fan when I say, yes, more of these games. And as you know, as an IU fan, I remain the 11, 12 year old that I was when I truly, you know, when my IU basketball love truly formed. Uh, and of course, for anybody who loved the 1993 team, we always remember the loss to Kansas and the Elite Eight that ended the run of that great team. And all I have to say is every time 
subsequently that we can beat Kansas. Nothing will ever erase the painful memory of that loss, which I carry with me to this day. But it helps a little bit, and it's just kind of nice. Helps vanquish that memory just just a little bit more. So thank you, Hoosiers, for helping to uh, you know quash that memory just a little bit. It'll never truly die, Andy. I know you uh, you agree with me. Uh, but it's still, man, it's good to get a win over Kansas. Man, it's good to get a big win to start the season. And it's good the way Indiana got it because it suggests this is going to be a team that we're really going to love watching. It's going to be an up and down season. We know that. It's going to be a roller coaster, but we're really excited to share it with you. We're glad that you've joined us. Let's go have a hell of a season together, shall we? Let's do it. All right. Well, we will be back with you. I believe the next game for the Hoosiers is Wednesday night against mighty UMass Lowell. That game is on the Big Ten Network. Uh, I believe it starts at 7 o'clock Eastern. Most of those games do. We will be here right with you on the post-game show afterwards, as we always are. We hope that you will join us. We will talk to you then. Way to go, Hoosiers. Look, staying healthy isn't easy. Watching your diet, hitting the gym, avoiding stress. But a good night's rest helps boost your overall health and wellness. And it couldn't be easier. The new Sleep Number 360 Smart Bed is the only bed that effortlessly adjusts and responds to both of you. The result? You wake up ready for anything. Proven quality sleep is life-changing sleep. And now, the new Queen Sleep Number 360 P5 Smart Bed is only $17.99. Save $600. Only for a limited time. To learn more, go to sleepnumber.com. Let me be straight with you. This is a radio commercial for three small business insurance. With three, your entire business is covered. So while you can't see the following scene, just know that this contractor's business is protected by three. Hey, toss me that drill. Yeah, man. Heads up. Oh, that looks expensive. Now this is an insurance moment. But three's got it covered. Three is a product of Berkshire Hathaway Direct Insurance Company. Three, no nonsense, just common sense.